I'm more confused now than I, than I was on Monday or Wednesday when this initial Foxconn announcement was made. It is 12.08 and a happy Friday afternoon. Scott Warris, Eric Bilstad, Jordan Gazarowski producing. We are here. Wagner is off. Jeff is off. He'll be back on Monday. There it is. Breaking Foxconn news. Scott. Again. Breaking news All from right. Foxconn. Though this one's a little bit different. Foxconn doubling down on Wisconsin manufacturing facility. This and a new statement that has just been released. Today's TMJ4 got their hands on this mm-hmm. facility. One aspect of it, and I know you got it there in front of you, is that apparently the Foxconn folks spoke with President Trump and then decided, okay, we'll do some LCD panels anyway. So now they have decided... They are going to build a plant for LCD panels after having a personal conversation with President Trump. So Foxconn now... The conversation being between Terry Goh yes. and the president. Mm-hmm. Had a convo and said, okay, you know what? Let's do the plant. So now, now the plant is back on the table. All right, Charles Benson from today's TMJ4 is uh, working the story. Maybe we'll see if we can connect with Charles here, and he has been all over this, as a lot of us have. It... um. So they're building the plant with the LCD screens? Is is that what's going on? Look, I, yes. I, I've said this since um, you know we were here Wednesday. Jeff was here the first two days. When, when, when the initial Foxconn announcement came down Wednesday more, I'm getting more and more confused by this by, by the day. This is, is, the, is this backtracking? Is this I, correcting? Is this redirecting the message? Are they completely altering now what they announced on Wednesday? I need somebody yeah. to make sense of this because <laughs> yes. I don't get it. Yes, they're bringing back the Generation 6 factory. They're going to build the LCD manufacturing plant. The manufacturing plant, according to Terry Go, will be built in Wisconsin. It came, they made this decision after this, state, or this conversation they had with the president. After productive discussions between the White House and the company, and after a personal conversation between President Trump and Chairman Go, they decided to move forward with this manufacturing plant. Should I read the full statement here? They're going to build its factory. But I... <laughs> I just I'm, I'm a little ticked off because I here's the full statement couple paragraphs not long after productive discussions between the White House and the company Jordan see if you can track down Charles Benson I know he's uh, he's just on television he may still have commitments there but uh, here's the full statement after productive discussions between the White House and the company and after a personal conversation between President Donald Trump and Chairman Terry Goh Foxconn is moving forward with our planned construction of a Gen 6 fab facility, which will be at the heart of the Wisconsin Valley Science and Technology Park. This campus will serve both as an advanced manufacturing facility as well as a hub of high-tech innovation for the region. Our decision is also based on a recent comprehensive and systematic evaluation to help determine the best fit for our Wisconsin project among TFT technologies. We have undertaken the evaluation while simultaneously seeking to broaden our investment across, this is a bunch of blah, 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 (laughs) across Wisconsin, far beyond our original plans to ensure the company, our workforce, the local community, and the state of Wisconsin will be positioned for long-term success. We look forward to continuing to expand our investment in American towns in Wisconsin and the U.S., so never mind. Is, is that, am, 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 am I understanding that right? This is this is quite literally breaking in the last six minutes, and I'm trying to understand what this means. Is this? 
Well, you could give say, us a couple minutes, everybody. You can say, and, no, we'll, but you we'll can say it's good this. news if they're going to commence bad work, news. If they're going to bring uh, this Gen Six Fab facility to the area, that would mean the manufacturing jobs, and that was the big thing, right? That's what everyone was expecting: manufacturing jobs. So everyone would have a seat at the table, not just R and D folks, not just ones who you need some special, unique degree to be able to be a part of it, some tech hub, but also those who can work the line. Those who can work the assembly line and grow from there. This essentially says that they will be able to do that. It will commence work on the Gen 6 Fab facility along with completing work on the campus facilities it shared earlier this week over the next 18 months, according to Foxconn. So the manufacturing element in this, the manufacturing facility, which we found out when or we were told on Wednesday would no longer be happening because it was going to be research and development jobs so we're going to shift from 5200 down to 1000 as a goal by the end of 2020 they're now reaffirming whoa hang on we will still make the lcd panels and thus the ma-. now they did not reference the number don't you think if if this was going to be a never mind moment they would reiterate the magical 5200 jobs by 2020. By 2020, that, because in their initial announcement, they specified no more 5,200. Our goal is 1,000. I have a feeling that if that was going to be the case, they would have amplified that point because that 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 was a uh, a sexy number that drew the headlines for the most part on right. Wednesday, right? Well, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to understand here what's happening. But I just I guess my question is how do you make how do you flip a switch like that so easily? How can you just say, yeah, you know what? All right, we'll go ahead and build it. Because the original statement on Wednesday was that those LCD panels, it was no longer financially feasible. Yeah, and they're going to tra- they're going to transition into something else. We already knew that manufacturing jobs in America is more expensive. That was part of the deal, and they would be basically competing with themselves with those that are being built in China and Taiwan and those places. So now. What what did they and the president talk about? Like what what was that conversation? Where now it's just okay, we're going to do it now. So now, never mind. Will it be two um, LCD panels? We'll see if we can track down <laughs> Charles Benson. And that's uh, fascinating. That uh, this is kind of uh, taking a little bit of the, little bit of the uh, the plans for this uh, first half hour or so and throwing them up into the air. But such is the show. We do want to get to some things. Uh, we will do Pop Culture Corner at 2.35, in, as Jeff would normally do on a Friday afternoon, and it will take a sports-related slant. This is, of course, the pre-Super Bowl Friday, and um, we're going to have some fun at 2.35 with uh, maybe the sports bucket list that you keep. What is the big sporting event? I've never been to a Super Bowl. Had, have you gone to a Super Bowl? No. Any time the Packers went in the Mm-mm. last time around? Okay. A couple it, of the folks here have, though. Yeah. Oh, has I'm, been there. Scafidi, Gene. Wagner, Gene, all those guys. That is something that I think everybody wants to do at least once. We'll do that at 235, the sports bucket list. I'm, uh, let's try to do a great Scott in the 2 o'clock hour as well. I've got a, a few stories. haven't been able to do it in the last couple of days because some of the stuff we've been covering. Um, I'd like to uh, maybe we'll rattle off a few of those. As I mentioned, there's this fascinating story when it comes to a woman that used a DNA test to find the sperm donor and now pays a devastating price for it. That's the headline anyway. And there's an interesting angle when it comes to the anonymity of a sperm donor and uh, what information does the sperm bank need to release when it comes to mothers who have children by this method and is it not valuable information to get that type of ancestry data because if you think about the health 
risks and health background and what mm-hmm. it's it's um there's a lot to uh, debate there talked about with Steve the woman in uh, England has been has called out a company for what she says was a humiliating job interview she got the job but it was so humiliating that she turned it down and now she's calling them out for their activities and I'd like to discuss the Girl Scout cookie selling process. I know this. Oh, this bothers you. This strike and this strikes a close chord for you, my friend. Now, right? I, but, okay. Well, no, you you, you were shilling. I, I I mean, selling <laughs> for your daughter a couple of weeks ago. I just have a simple question when it comes to not so much the actual decision to sell or, or, mm-hmm. or just the reason for it. But I do have a question when it comes to the process by which a lot of those cookies are sold and it's, it's getting a little out of hand and we need to talk about it. But uh, we're going to dig more into this Foxconn story and uh, we'll do that next. It's 1217 on a Friday. Scott and Eric in for Jeff. 1220. So the news that we've learned in the last 15 minutes or so is that uh, Foxconn CEO, Chairman Terry Goh, has spoken with the president, President Trump, and has announced that they will now indeed build the LCD manufacturing plant here in Wisconsin. The the liquid crystal display manufacturing element that was apparently off the table starting on Wednesday, at least that's when that announcement was made, is now back on the table, and it's all systems go in that respect. We're still trying to understand what the hell is happening right now with Foxconn. <laughs> and so if this is just a big never mind week, forget everything that you've been talking about the last three days. We're back to where we were on Monday. Now, they weren't pleased with Reuters when that when that Reuters story first came out. They weren't happy about that. They were they said almost immediately, no, we are committed. We are committed. They used the 13,000. Uh, number right. for jobs, but they also the total said, yes, yes, the thirteen eventually job, but they also said that manufacturing wasn't going to happen. That it's going to be more of a research hub. All right, so, he, well, go ahead. He, he, here's the question from the six oh eight. But are they still committing to the research and development facility, or are they returning to the original of only building the LCD? No, it'd panels? be a little bit of both. Uh, it would be an advanced manufacturing facility and the hub of its project. So my understanding is that, that it would also do some of the R&D as well. Now, how much... It's a of, large campus, anyway. Here, here's a question that I have. How much of this stems from the public relations... Great question. Um, mess? Is that too harsh a word? Mess? Fiasco? That has unfolded in the last couple of days. This has gone national. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were, and mockingly so, but rightfully... A lot of the headlines on the cable news networks had it just flat wrong, saying factory Trump had is leaving Wisconsin. That was just wrong. Right. Um, so here's uh, the, the man who has been following. A lot of us have, but maybe none more so than today's TMJ force, Charles Benson. Uh, Charles, let me just put it simply for sure. you. In layman's terms, what the hell is happening with Foxconn? Are we back to where we were a week ago at this time? Is it a big never mind? Explain the latest. And my heads, our heads are exploding. So, uh, yeah, and I'm reacting just as fast <laughs> as you are because this is all coming in within the last uh, few minutes here. Uh, should we take a step back? Please. In terms of, it's been a rough week for Fox. Very much so. A uh, couple stories out there, uh, one in Reuters, the other in Nikkei, suggesting that things were not going to be 
what Foxconn initially said they were going to be. And there was talk about scaling back, downplaying, not doing this. Instead, we're going to do that. So today, I think what we got is Foxconn saying, we're going to do what we said we're going to do. All right, which is they're going to build this advanced manufacturing facility and this um, research and development, this technology hub. So let me give you a little bit more background here. One of the things that the Nikkei or the Reuters story uh, played out is that Louis Wu, who's really the guy who's heading up the project here, said, you know, we're not going to have a factory down there. You know, you, what, our investment is not going to look like a factory. And that worried a lot of people. That sent shockwaves because we're like, well, what are you doing down there? Because we thought that's what you were going to do to assemble, to make, to manufacture these products that are used for TV screens or for iPhones, the, the screens, okay, the display panels. And so... My conversation with Louis Wu uh, since then and during prior to this is that what they have been saying all along, they're a very successful company in Asia. That's what they do over there, make these high panel displays, high quality. And he told me back in April of last year, as he told Reuters this week, what we do in Asia, we can't do here and be competitive. Cost of labor, just completely different. So what he's saying is what we're going to do here is some of that. But the bigger opportunity, the bigger vision here for us, meaning Foxconn, is to create a platform for 8K 5G. Now, I am no whiz kid when it comes to technology. Same I'm here. still having trouble <laughs> you know, trying to program the cable. But what 8K 5G means is that 8K is a higher quality a higher resolution camera and filter right. that you can use. 5G is the next generation of the Internet. And when you combine those two, you can create products that are just going to be amazing. And he thinks the platform there, when he talks about knowledge workers versus mm -hmm. factory workers, he's talking about the research scientists, the engineers, the people who can create those things. And the multiplier out of that gets you more jobs. Now, the one question is, does it get you to... 13,000 jobs. And while their statement today talked about their commitment here for Wisconsin, it did not mention the 13,000 jobs. However, in right. emails with Louis Wu this week, Wu said very clearly, we have not, and capitalized not, changed our commitment to 13,000 jobs. So what was the conversation with President Trump for? So what prompts I, that call? It, it became a national story. The Reuters story about, well, look out, you know, and Trump made this a high-profile situation. You had yeah, a yeah. president of the United States come in for a groundbreaking ceremony, which is normally reserved for a governor and local officials. But Terry Goh and President Trump are close. Their personal relationship there. And I think in this situation, I haven't been able to talk to anybody mm -hmm. yet, but given the relationship prior, I think Trump said, what is going on there? And I want to make, because Trump has made this a, a like part of his theme here that um, manufacturing coming back. Look at what's happening in America. And if you're facing reelection and this thing is going south, that's not good for the president. 
What about the manufacturing job element in this? Because that that was the 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 sub headline, or certainly shared a headline on Wednesday, was that this is going from manufacturing jobs, fifty two hundred a goal by the end of next year, to one thousand R and D quote unquote white collar jobs by the end of, uh, of twenty twenty. So right, and that's where I am still trying to okay. see where the line is. What kind of manufacturing jobs will be there, and what kind are the knowledge workers that are going to be there? This statement and others that I, in conversations with I've had with Louis Wu, have not spelled out what those numbers look like for different folks. The Nikkei review story. What made that interesting is that there were, they put a blame on Governor Evers. There was like, you know, anonymous sources say Governor Evers played a role in this and this is why this is falling through, that they were going to suspend production. But again, as we read that, we still couldn't decipher the choice of words used to explain that story, whether or not it was what we already knew. So there's some of what we already knew in terms of their concerns. They had already shifted from large screen displays to right. smaller screen right. displays. All right. That story had already been out mm-hmm. there. And the concern, I think, in this week, was that they're just never going to do that anymore. They're not going to do any type of that type of product. But Lewis Wu told me that's what they're still looking at. That's what they're still trying to determine. What is that product that they have down in Mount Pleasant? But he is very clear it's going to have the research part of it. And so when they go forward here, what can they reach in 2019? What is the goal uh, in jobs? What is it in 2020? We know in 2018... They didn't reach the goal. Mm -hmm. They did not create the number of jobs that they said they would. They did create hundreds of construction jobs, but that's not tied to the state dollars. Hmm. So what does Governor Evers, I mean, he really, there's not much he can do to throw a wrench in this. So there was people, right, there's been, this story is always going to be political. Yeah. And and so you even saw Speaker Voss and Senator Fitzgerald kind of throw the governor under the bus here saying the economic uncertainty and all of that, and nothing in Foxconn statements about what they were going to do and how they were going to do things here was the result of what was happening in Wisconsin. I will tell you this, that every company always looks at market conditions, and especially a Foxconn, global market conditions. And they made that pretty clear, that that will always have an impact Mm. on what they did or will do. It had an impact on what GM did Mm -hmm. down in Janesville. Companies pay attention to what market demand is. So we've only got about a minute left. Uh, Charles Benson, today's TMJ4. So the next... Big question you want answered is what? Tell me what your job commitment goals are and who are you looking to hire? So is it more hiring on the research side of things or will it be the more hiring Mm. in the manufacturing side? We do know they're going to be hiring more in construction. Wow. Stay tuned, right? Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Good Charles. Stuff, I know you're running wild all over the place on this story. Appreciate the time. Sure. Charles Benson, today's TMJ4 with the very latest after a conversation between uh, Terry Goh and President Trump on the Foxconn controversy and what has unfolded over just three days. This is just a story that really broke on Wednesday morning, and it develops. Who knows what will happen Half hour from now. This week's Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase is brought to you by Oak Creek Plumbing Kitchen and Bath. Whether needing plumbing services or kitchen and bath remodeling, Oak Creek Plumbing does it all. 1236, Scott Warris and Eric Bilstad in for Jeff Wagner, the Wagner List edition, and he'll be back on Monday. 
So how are you feeling about Foxconn? Now? <laughs> <laughs> uh. The obviously the the tangible changes or non changes when it comes to jobs and what will be produced there and manufactured there or what won't be manufactured there are are the most important questions that sure. everybody wants answers to. Yep. The things that interest me or fascinate me, intrigue me is the word. Intrigue me more than anything is the the back, you know, the the, the backstories of what prompts that. Terry Go Trump President Trump conversation and Charles said what you and I were speculating with two minutes before he walked in he had to have as he as we know he likes to do he had to have those television screens going and those cable news networks on Wednesday were just you know excoriating him for Mm -hmm. this supposed pullout of Foxconn from Wisconsin. What what were those? We were railing on those headlines yeah, that were just flat out wrong. Yep. You know, uh, Trump touted $10 billion factory pulling out of Wisconsin. Foxconn to cancel Wisconsin project. Trump Walker. T- I mean, that was just wrong in the first place. So did did, uh, did the POTUS just get so upset watching this that he calls Terry Go and says, Terry, what the heck are you doing? Yes, What's going this. on? Fix this. Yeah, it could be that easy, and and you wonder how different it was actually now. When they say, yes, we're going to make the plant, we're going to keep doing the LCD screens and all of that, it's clearly not going to be at the same scale as what they do overseas. I mean, Louis Wu, who's the main U.S. head, I mean, he told Charles Benson in April, very similar to what Reuters was reporting today, but it, it caught fire in some ways, according to Charles. How much do you think is a... When it comes to business dealings like this, and when it comes to the public relations element of something this big, do you think that there's a lot lost in, no pun intended, translation? There's something in terms of when you have foreign entities dealing with one another in the mark. I'm specifically now talking in the marketing and PR and how something realm. is worded. Yes, how some the narration I, I, of something. I mean, I, I really want to know. I'm sure when you talk. You know, fast facts and numbers and nuts and bolts and dollars and mm. that is a universal language. I think you can, of course. But yeah. when when you start talking about the 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 different terminology that can be used and how to appropriately execute a PR plan, especially if you're going to have a news story but come out in a national are- source like Reuters, and 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 is something lost there when you have a Chinese company and an American yeah, prob- company probably, and and yeah. and the integration of the two different shouldn't leadership. Happen, oh no, when I you, agree. When you it have a happen. company that big, you should have a uh, a PR person in every country handling that for whatever region you need to take care of. That's the world we live in now. There's there are more PR people <laughs> than than Foxconn should have one PR voice in this state. Well, I mean, it's Louis Wu. He's kind of the U.S. guy. Evan was doing it, right? Zeppos? Well, he works with them in some Does he? capacity. Still? Well, that I don't know. See, actually, I, I don't... actually we, and we miss Zeppos. He was here. Oh, he's not there anymore? Okay. Uh, I don't know. But he was here in the building doing the Friday Forum with Scafidi. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Gosh, I just... It, it makes your head hurt. It really does. And, and who knows what will happen in the next half hour. Okay, uh, let's <laughs> Wait, move on. The plant is off. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't say that because there's somebody who just turned on the radio. and uh, Plant is on. Plant is up. It is on. They're going to they're gonna build it. All right. This story 
is uh, courtesy of CBS News, the the big mothership CBS News. CBS News, it tells the story of a woman who has a five-year-old daughter, but the daughter is one of thousands of children conceived with sperm from an anonymous donor. She went to find out more information about the donor, wanted to learn more about maybe some of the health risks or just the health history of the donor in an effort to look out for her daughter. And she has gotten herself entangled in a mess. And I, I, I'm willing to bet she's not alone. There's got to be other stories like this across the country. We'll have the CBS report here. I'll play you the report. It's about five minutes, pretty comprehensive, but it, it lays out the whole story. And then we'll unpack this and uh, weigh in and get your thoughts as well. Of course, 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Here is the report by CBS News. An Oregon woman's attempt to connect with her daughter's anonymous sperm donor is raising difficult questions about the practice and may even lead to a lawsuit. Danielle Toysher told us she used a DNA test from 23andMe and then reached out to one of her daughter's genetic relatives. But Northwest Cryobank, where the she received the sperm donation, then sent her a cease and desist letter. Anna Warner spoke to Toysher, who says her plan for more children genetically related to her daughter is now in jeopardy. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Well, it's one woman's story of unexpected consequences that raises complicated questions. Can anyone who's a donor expect anonymity when so many people are connecting and finding genetic relatives online daily? She's really into music, singing. She's very athletic, very strong. Danielle Toysher's five-year-old daughter, Zoe, is one of thousands of children conceived with sperm from an anonymous donor. And she's definitely a social butterfly, which she did not get from me. Toysher wanted to know more about her daughter's ancestry and possible health issues. So when she and other family members decided to get DNA tests from company 23andMe over the holidays, she added one for Zoe. And lo and behold, turned up what appeared to be one of the anonymous donor's relatives. I imagine you were surprised. Shocked, yes. And it sounds like you didn't go looking for that. No, not at all. The donated sperm had come from Northwest Cryobank, which offers donors anonymity. But Toysher says the apparent relative she found on 23andMe listed themselves as open to messaging. I said, I don't want to cross any boundaries. I just want to let you know that we're out here and we're open to contact, if you are. The relative responded, I don't understand. So Toysher says she let it go. But then she got this, a cease and desist letter from Northwest Cryobank, telling her not to contact the donor or learn more information about his identity, background, or whereabouts. The bank warned it could seek $20,000 in liquidated damages. Worst of all, she says, it took back four additional vials of donor sperm that she purchased, sperm she'd planned to use to have Zoe's genetic siblings. So what was that like for you, getting that? Devastating. I mean, I was shocked. I was crying for days. Like, I could barely eat. Because I felt, why? I felt embarrassed almost. Like, here I thought I was doing this thing I thought was in the best interest of my daughter, and then it just came back on me um, in just such a harsh way that made me feel like, a, like a, I did something terrible, like I was a criminal. 
Northwest Cryobank told us it does not prohibit DNA testing, but said concern arises when one uses DNA test results to contact a donor and or his family. The bank says clients like Teuscher have contractually agreed to not independently seek the identity or attempt to contact these individuals. Toysher says that contract was online. I mean, you you just click the boxes. Plus, she says it's not all about her. My daughter is an actual living, breathing, feeling human being who did not sign that contract. And contracts or not, many donor-conceived children and their families are finding each other. All of us, thousands of us, have made these connections. Wendy Kramer runs the Donor Sibling Registry, a group that connects donor-conceived children and their families. Her own donor-conceived son has found 18 half-siblings, most of them through DNA test matches. It's a right for everybody to know the truth about their their own DNA, their own background, their relatives, and their medical histories. Northwest Cryobank says not all donors will want that opportunity. It told us there's a human being on the other side of the gift who may have a partner, parents, job, and children of his own. And uninvited contact could jeopardize these relationships and families. But experts say in 2019, that contact may simply be unavoidable. Dr. Peter McGovern is an infertility specialist. The problem we have now is that the, the science has kind of overstepped where we are in terms of legality. Do you think that it's even possible to promise someone that they will remain anonymous as a donor in the current environment? I think despite our best efforts, we cannot promise that anymore. But Toysher says with the loss of her vials, the promise of more children may be ended for her. They literally took my babies, my future babies. Now, after we contacted Northwest Cryobank for this story, a representative sent Toysher an email saying the bank would refund the money she paid for those additional vials of her donor's sperm, but did not offer to give her vials back. The representative we spoke to, the same one at Northwest Cryobank, told us that this is the only letter threatening legal action that they've ever sent to a client to his knowledge. But complicated questions, opinions on both sides here. That again, the story, they do a great job. It was easier to do that than just uh, kind of thumbnail it ourselves. Pretty comprehensive there. CBS News report on uh, this woman, Danielle Teicher, Teicher, and her five-year-old daughter, Zoe. You, you heard what happened. Here was the quote that struck me, and this is the one that we can uh, discuss at 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All of us... This was the the comment made by Wendy Kramer. She runs the Donor Sibling Registry, the group that connects donor-received children and their families. All of us, thousands of us, have made those connections. Here's the line. It's a right for everybody to know the truth about their own DNA, their own background, their relatives, and their medical histories. Northwest Cryobank said not all donors will want that opportunity, though. It said, there is a human being on the other side of the gift who may have a partner, parents, job, children of his own, and uninvited contact could jeopardize these relationships and families. So you have a you have the two... Who's right is right. You have the child who wants to learn more about who their father is, was... Do they have a right to that information? Do they have a right to track them down or their family, the family of their father down? 
or is the anonymous donor's right to remain just that anonymous? Does that supersede? The interesting thing is... uh, the, the the specialist said that doctor said that the problem is you've got science has sped up so quickly that it is now ahead of the legal system. So let's dive into this, shall we? Whose right is right? Whose right supersedes that of the other? 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it even a right at all? That's another question that you can answer. 1252, Scott and Eric in for Jeff. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Debating the rights when it comes to donating sperm. Is it the right to stay anonymous, to remain anonymous as a donor, or in this day and age, with the scientific technology so far advanced, more so than I imagine anybody could have ever figured when the idea of a sperm bank was first introduced back in the day the technology it, it allows you to find a lot more information as to who your donor who your who your father is was than ever before and what if you didn't sign the contract because you were the one that was the baby and now you're older you're a human you're a human life and you are wanting to find this information mm-hmm. you didn't sign anything you didn't sign the contract your birth mother may have but you did not. Right. So does that play a role in all this? There and to that point, let's uh, head to New Berlin and talk to Chris. Chris, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I think she has a lot of unintended consequences. She said the bigger unintended consequences that the entire program is going to simply collapse when people start realizing you can't stay anonymous either from the the, uh, the mother or as the child they come looking for you. People simply stop donating. There are thousands of women that want to have a child that will use this program that will no longer have a viable sperm to, because I wouldn't donate. If you're going to find me and I can't stop you from doing that, I'm no longer anonymous, I'm not going to participate. Now the child doesn't exist at all. You do wonder if donors no longer feel that they can, you know, do this and know they'll have the, the cloak of anonymity forever if there's a chance that a decade from now, a couple years from now, whatever, however, however much time passes that, all of a sudden, I'm going to get a knock on the door or an email or a or a phone call saying, hello, Mr. Smith, um, I'm Susie, and I'm your do- What? Wait a minute, what? And now you got to exp- Yes, definitely. Chris, you, you were going to bring up another point as well about the contract, right? Yes. Make that point. Go ahead. Well, the mother did sign the contract. The child didn't, which means the child can do what they choose to. Mm-hmm. They're not bound by it, but that just means that, again, why would you donate knowing that someone legally can come and find you even especially after they're 18 i just don't picture people donating anymore because you know and how is that to the child when they knock on the door said hey i'm your daughter and the, the, the guy looks her in the eye and says you're a test tube to me you're not my daughter well that's not exactly what they were after either and how does that help anyone either so many questions yeah the unintended consequences of this a good start, Chris. Appreciate the call. 414-799-1620 on the Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of good calls, a lot of good texts coming in. Keep them coming here. We'll go right back to you next. Up against the news here at the top of the hour. We're going to roll this over through the newscast. So uh, Lisa, David, Gary, John, uh, just uh, hang with us. Hang on. And if you yourself have been involved in this, whether you uh, have donated and all of a sudden you've gotten the call or an email or an inquiry of some sort, or if you um, 
out of the child and and uh, and had a mom and never learned who dad was and were in this and are in this situation is 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 the right again the question i think is is the most interesting to me but there's a ton of other questions here that can be asked or answered the debate being is it truly the right for everybody to know the truth about their own dna their own background their relatives and their medical histories is 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 that the right that supersedes the right of the anonymous donor who donates his sperm with that belief and knowledge and certainty they've got lives partners parents jobs they have children maybe of their own and finding out or getting that unwanted call or email that could jeopardize the relationships and the families that they have now built years and years later polarizing topic and both sides have a say in this and both sides certainly have ground on which to stand in defending their perceived right 414-799-1620 Akinen Mortgage Talk and Text Line will continue this next after the news on WTMJ 108 Scott Warris, Eric Vilstad, Jeff Wagner back on Monday don't forget 235 Pop Culture Corner Start thinking about it now. The sporting event that is on your bucket list. The sporting event that you have never attended, but want to one day before you kick the bucket. This is uh, the final Friday before the Super Bowl, and I think for a lot of people, a Super Bowl would be on that list. I'd like to attend one, um, preferably if the Packers were playing in it, obviously. But uh, it's something I think that is just one of those one of those sporting events that you need to attend, so at least you can say, been there, done that. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's a big one. There's a few other ones I've got. Anyway, we'll do that at 2.35, in keeping with the Jeff Wagner tradition of the final half hour of a Friday show. But here we're, gonna, we're continuing and carrying over this discussion uh, out of uh, the Oregon, where a woman... And a five-year-old daughter named Zoe, the woman's name is Danielle Teuscher, five-year-old daughter Zoe, uh, conceived with sperm from an anonymous donor. She then used um, uh, 23andMe. It's one of those ancestry databases. You submit information, and they'll try to track it. Anyway, she uses that because she wanted to find some information, specifically health information, about her young daughter. Well, lo and behold, she enters the information on 23andMe, and whoop. She actually got information not on the donor, but on uh, information about the relative of a donor. The relative then wrote to her, says, I'm confused. Why I would are, be too. Why are you contacting me about <laughs> Who this? Who is this? Wait, what? Huh? My cousin? It'd be like, you know, either one of us getting contacted by a woman who has a child because one of our cousins yeah, donated right, at one right. point in time. What? Cease and desist letter. They took all the other vials of sperm that she had purchased and destroyed them. She gave the money back. Here's the question, though. That's the backstory. It sets up this question because a woman who runs a donor sibling registry says it is a right for everybody to know the truth about their own DNA, their own background, their relatives, and their medical histories. So it's the right of the child. In this case, she's under 18, so the mom did it. To find out the information. However, cryobank company said not all donors want that opportunity. There's a human being over there. They have a partner, maybe parents, jobs, children, families. Lives have continued for the anonymous donor. They have the right to the anonymity. And there's a contract there, too. Contract. But the contract, 
as some people are bringing up, the contract was signed by whom? The mom. The mom. Not, not by the daughter. And, and it's the mom who is looking into this for her little daughter. Mm-hmm. So maybe the argument can be made once little Zoe Teuscher turns 18, right. then does she have a stronger case to be made? Is her right stronger than her mom's, per se, to find more information about dad? And then the side note being, the problem is the science has improved so drastically and and has has moved so quickly now where you can find information so easily, if that's the right term to use. It's available that the legal system hasn't really caught up to it. That's complicating this whole matter. Back to the phones, and they have been very patient. Let's start with Lisa in Appleton. Good afternoon, Lisa. I appreciate your patience, but I definitely wanted to get you on. Uh, you bring an interesting perspective to this story. I think I do. So tell us your story, Lisa, and where do you come down on this? Um, well, I thought my perspective would be interesting for listeners because I have had children using um, sperm donation. Hmm? So when I was going through the process of deciding, basically choosing my donor, you get a lot of information about the donors, but you also have options, at least through the sperm bank I use, of whether the donor wants to be a known donor or a non-known donor. Okay. And from my perspective, I wanted my kids, when they were 18, if they so chose and were interested in finding out about that other half of themselves, DNA-wise, that they could pursue that. So I chose to pay more for that sperm for a known donor. So in this case, with with that Uh personal knowledge, in this case... Whose right supersedes that of the other, in your opinion? From my perspective, Mm -hmm. when you're going through this process, you know that, you know, unless someone, even a known donor, basically the, at the time I did this, which was about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when I was going through this process, um, obviously the whole DNA technology wasn't even there. So that wasn't even on your mind. So from my perspective, if you are using somebody who doesn't want to be known, that's the deal. I mean, you're going into that knowing that, yes, they're getting paid to do this, but it's also a gift. And so while I think her, I think, I don't think she intentionally wanted to, um, you know, offend the donor or probably didn't realize what she was doing, she shouldn't have pursued it. Now, because her kid's DNA was out there, it's possible that one of his relatives could have reached out through 23andMe and mm-hmm. said, hey, we have a match, and then that's a different conversation. But she, you know, she started that conversation, she, and, and, and she, she probably sta- crossed right. the line. And she started the conversation, in this right. case, with a relative of the donor who apparently she found on 23andMe and listed themselves as open to messaging. So you're already one degree removed from the donor. At least. At least. Right, at least. And it's somebody on 23andMe says, yeah, I'll talk, but I wasn't your donor. And it, so that complicates it even more. Hey, Lisa, when your child is 18, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to find the dad? Well, the very interesting spin is we all know who the dad is. Um, because... At some point, because of DNA and all these different sites, um, probably, I want to say five or six years ago, um, a, a lot of folks started finding each other, 
And, I mean, there's a whole private Facebook page for the kids, hmm. and now the donor has, now that he kind of knows what's going on, he's got his own private Facebook page um, where, and he's actually met with some of the older kids. Wow. So he obviously was very, I mean, and he went into it being a known donor, so he was obviously coming from a different perspective. And because of the whole DNA, um, you know, one person reached out to him and he was receptive. So now if anybody else is interested, right now my kids are 13. They're sort of, eh, whatever. I mean, if, you know, there's a get-together with these half-siblings, maybe we'll go. I mean, it's not a big deal to them. But when they're 18 or maybe next year, it might they might change their mind. But they have the option of doing that because it's all right. Right. Can I ask, if you don't mind, do you, is it like a catalog that you go through when you're looking for a donor? Do you get to choose, like, okay, you said open donor, so someone you might be able to reach out to. It's, uh-huh. uh, is it like, okay, brunette, Caucasian, blue eyes, like that type of thing, or what they're interested in or what their occupation is? Does any of that play a role in, like, the the choosing of the donor? Actually, it's all of the above. You know, obviously, the medical history, they'll, they'll at least when I did it, um, they'll share a photo of the donor when they were a kid. Oh, okay. They don't share names or anything. And they'll share, you know, their education. They'll share their job. They'll share their interests, their hobbies. And then they'll share um, sibling medical history and then history on mom and dad's side, too. Do they share how many children they have through the, the they bank? They do not. They don't. Um, and that's a whole other place that you could go on another day. Because, <laughs> because, seriously, because what we found out through, you know, the whole DNA identification um, is that there are almost 70 half-siblings out there from this donor. Wow. Yeah. Now, if you would have known that, if you would have known that originally, would that have changed your decision at all? I don't think so. And, you know, back then, you know, only a couple kids would have been born. Right. Um you know, a lot of them are my kids' age. There are some younger and some oh, okay. older. Um, and I don't think there's a real great tracking by the banks either. I don't necessarily, they might say they limit, if they know there's a certain number of births, they might say they limit, mm-hmm. you know, number of families or they don't release additional um, sperm from that donor. But honestly, there's no real legislation. So that's all part of the whole conversation that is coming up now, yeah. now that everybody's seen how many kids these donors have. Yeah, the as I as, as we said, and as the story outlined, the the law, the legislation is is lagging uh-huh. behind the science big time, big time. Lisa, I pre- appreciate so. all that information, and thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that very yep, much. No problem. Yep. It, it is one eighteen on WTMJ. Uh, can we squeeze one more in here real quick? Uh, the, the patients. Uh, let's go to David. David and Mequon. Uh, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Um, well, just to kind of follow up with some of the previous callers, there, there's one thing that has not been talked about, and that's the HIPAA law. And the HIPAA law was, you know, passed federally back in 1996. And uh, that is supposedly, so that's the, what, the Health Insurance uh, Portability and Account- Accountability Act. And that's supposed to protect you as the patient privacy with your medical information so i'm i'm not sure and they've made amendments to it you know since then and i'm just kind of surprised that you know that if that was released that i would think that that would break 
the HIPAA law, and if that was the case, then that person actually would be fired because it's a very serious uh, matter as far as... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Nobody brought up the HIPAA element in this, and to be honest, I, I hadn't thought of uh, the HIPAA element in play. I, I don't know that any, um, whether it's the bank, whether it's uh, either side of this, would... HIPAA laws seem pretty well known and hard and fast that mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if anybody would put themselves out there to violate that. I, I would think those that would be a situation where the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted, well, don't you it, think? As a donor, I'm sure those are several questions that you are asked about as well. Yeah, obviously, sure. your, your, yeah. your health history as well as some of the HIPAA stuff probably throw, gets thrown mm-hmm. into the, the fine print. So who's at fault here, David? Real quick, just we got to go quickly here. Who's at fault, uh, in your opinion, if anybody? I would blame the, the mom in this case uh, for doing that just because uh, if a person, to the other caller, mm-hmm. if a person is looking to remain anonymous, then that's their right. That's, you know, that's how they're getting this gift uh, is, is from a person that wants to do it. It's sort of like if you were to give uh, money uh, into a, uh, let's say, whatever, uh, like the Red Cross or something, and you write out a large check with the letter saying, I want to remain anonymous, they got to respect that. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's I, I think it's just good protocol, and I do agree with that other caller that that could be devastating to those uh, individuals thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, here I I'm getting to be anonymous, and they've now thrown that out the window. All of a sudden, one day, you, right? All yeah. of a sudden, one day, you get a call or a, or a mm-hmm. knock at the door. David, we, we got to run. I appreciate your patience and uh, appreciate your call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We're going to get to uh, Daniel, John, Dave. Uh, you're on deck. It's one twenty one, and this is a fascinating discussion. A lot of elements to unpack on this one. iPhone users, WTMJ has a new and improved app. It's easier to find news stories, plus get notifications on breaking news and feature stories. You can also listen live or check out our show podcasts. Go to the App Store on your phone to download now. One twenty three. Scott and Eric in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's go quickly back to the phones. Uh, let's go to Daniel. Yeah, Daniel and Oshkosh, you're on WTMJ. And Daniel, you bring an interesting perspective to this conversation. How are you? Good, how are you? Tell us your story. So I, uh, I'm 25. I found out when I was maybe 12 that I was donor-conceived. And so uh, just this Christmas, I took a 23andMe test and found out about eight siblings and the donor and his family. Hmm. Um, so I, I haven't followed this whole story. I, I kind of got in late, but I, you know, I, if I didn't take the test, I never would have known about my half siblings. And you know, we've been talking and our our friends on Facebook and kind of learning about each other and might hang out so at we, some point here. So Daniel, were you always trying to figure out who your your parent was? I I, I was always interested. I have very loving parents that um, you know mean the world to me and. And so I was always kind of interested, but it, it, it wasn't like I needed closure necessarily. Um, I was just kind of curious. And so when I took the 23andMe, I, I knew it was possible that I'd find the donor and, and maybe a sibling or two. But it was amazing to find so many out there of, of kids that are, you know. What did the donor like, say? Uh, you know, we, we just emailed back and forth once or twice, but basically he... He wanted to give the opportunity for loving parents to, you know, that really cared to be able to raise kids that couldn't. Do you look like him? Yeah. 
a lot like him. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. What uh, what 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 role, if any, um, does the health questions play in this? And I guess the more information you know, the more uh, questions can be answered. But I, I have a feeling that as the science improves when it comes to what can be learned about health history based on DNA testing, which wasn't a thing just you know a decade and a half or so ago, uh, how much did, did did that or does that play a role when you went about? you know, and, and, and think about learning more about your parent. Yeah. I mean, I knew there were some health issues on my mom's side and when 23 and me told me what other things I was predisposed to, um, and talking to the donor, he had to do a lot of testing to, to make sure he was a, a healthy guy. Um, so I think it's, it's really good to, to know that, uh, he, he has a good background, and they did a lot of testing. And actually, um, there was another donor that kind of was before him that had a child through donor conception that that had a cleft palate, I believe. Hmm. And so they kind of moved his up, and and this donor actually ended up having more uh, or children earlier, I suppose, because of that. So it's definitely something that that mm-hmm. at least in the nineties. Um, the clinics were very conscious of and, and try to do well because if you're doing a, if you're having a donor conceived child, you want the donor to be, you know, healthy as a resource. Mm-hmm. Daniel, appreciate your time and appreciate it, um, deciding to call in and share your story and your perspective. But we did not get this perspective uh, from the callers we we got so far. So thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's get one more. Let's uh, hit the uh, Mequon. John in Mequon, who has been very patient. Hi, John. What's the point you wanted to bring up on this? Well, there's there's a couple of things. Um, I was adopted. I'm 49 years old. So even back then, my mom knew everything about me. Mm-hmm. So she got everything from Milwaukee County here. The social worker told, this is the, the child, this is the stuff. So, you you know, there's a lot of stuff there. The biggest thing that you missed on this is the one thing she said. I know what you're going to bring up. Go go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. She is a young person, and she does what all young people do. The lady that called up here, wonderful. She investigated. She looked into it. She did all this other stuff. She said it was just an online contract. Who reached them? I just checked the box. Yep. That's the biggest thing right there. So guess what? She lost all her rights because she didn't take the time. If you just, you know, everybody's yelling and screaming about multimedia and all this stuff, you check that box. If you don't take the time to read it and investigate and do all this other mm-hmm. stuff, then she lost all her rights and the child lost all the rights. That, well, okay, see, that's where I would differ with you. I, I think no. once, uh, what is the, the daughter's name is Zoe, once Zoe turns 18, I think that changes once Zoe becomes a a, a legal of a, a legal adult age. But I, that that did strike me as well in that CBS report is that uh, the mom Danielle Teuscher just said, "Well, I just checked the box," and so it's how how much technical legal leg can you stand on when you technically sign the agreement? You check the box. This isn't an app you're downloading. No, it's you got to read the fine print and you check the box. And that is a valuable right. little nugget specifically to this case, specifically to this story, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's the yep. biggest thing right there because if you look at it, she paid for that. So she was 
doing an emotional thing, saying my daughter is a human being. In court, they're going to argue it's a product yep. of a transaction. John, I got a break. I appreciate the call, and that's a good catch on your part, John and Mequon, with a, an important key in that. That was a great conversation. Thank you to all who chimed in. Before we uh, head to the news, Eric, you know, I think this is just another example of this topic real quickly here. And like I say, we appreciate all the calls. But to Linda and to Daniel, it's another example of when we do these, when we do this thing called radio and, and there are topics, you, I speak to you out there listening to us, you bring so much more value. I, I those are perspectives that I can't bring, that, that you can't bring, Jordan. You can't bring it. And um, that's the really cool thing. So to Linda and Daniel especially, thank you for calling because you add the value to the conversation. And they just sit back and ask you the questions. You're the experts on certain topics. And this is just an example of one of those topics. So Daniel was a donor kid. He had eight siblings, half mm-hmm. siblings. And it was Lisa, I think. She said her Lisa, Linda? her yeah, donor <laughs> father, her, her she has the children from the donor. She said right. there were seventy. Right. That's I, I had no idea that there would be that many. Seventy. Yep. That's a lot of kids. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. A lot to unpack there. And that was just like a little piece of this story. And great text as well that we didn't get to asking a host of other great questions and great topics for another day. But uh, appreciate the value-added content provided by you. Okay, a couple of minutes late here. I got a fever. It's one thirty-eight. The Wagnerless program. Jeff's back on Monday. Don't forget 235 Pop Culture Corner. As is tradition with Jeff on a Friday at 2.35. And we will talk about your sports bucket list item, your event, your sports event, as the Super Bowl is here on Sunday, your Super Bowl, your sports event that you would like to attend before you, uh, you know, die. (laughs) It's a morbid Friday. You know what? The Super Bowl itself has to, that is that one event the pomp, the pageantry, everything about it. It doesn't even matter if your favorite team is in it or not. But you you know what? I, I, I would probably prefer, if I was going to go... But they wouldn't be in it. You just want to go to a random game. I said earlier I'd prefer yes. to go if the Packers were in it, but maybe not. Maybe I, see, I could I'm just take, on, take in all the P and the P, the pomp and the I pageantry. Think, I think you'd actually enjoy it more if your favorite team was not playing, because then you can just soak it in and see it all. Maroon okay. 5, hey, look at that. You're not so, stressed out about the game. We'll do that at... Did you say who cares? He doesn't like Maroon 5. Oh, Jordan is not liking Maroon 5. He's more of an Imagine Dragons guy. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, it's not. Okay. The Girl Scouts cookie selling season is upon us. In some areas, it's just starting. In some spots, it's been going on for a while now. I'm not saying that this is necessarily a new topic or that people haven't brought this up before. What is the goal? What is the purpose of Girl Scouts selling the cookies. You are a parent of a Girl Scout, correct? Yeah, fundraising. Okay. The goal is to raise money for their various activities. Sure. Okay, I get that. You can say the same thing for all the other stuff that are sold. Some youth mm-hmm. groups, yep. Scouts sell wreaths. Yep, we wreaths. do that. Our, our Boy Scout or our Cub Scout does that. During the holidays. Yeah. And, and there are other... Popcorn. Yeah, popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's a popular, popular one as well. Wrapping paper. Okay. Now, cookies. Okay, so the goal is to raise money, but is there not a more higher purpose in that process? I 
have always operated under the assumption that, well, it's also to teach these these girls, these young people, communication skills, yes. business skills. Mm-hmm. And on a, I realize a very simple, very rudimentary level, there's a certain amount of uh, uh, um, knowledge that they're to gain by how they will go about the pitch, ringing the cell. a doorbell, talking to a stranger or a neighbor that you kind of know, looking them in the eye, going through your cell, and then telling them how much it costs and all of that. Yes, that's part of the learning process as you go through it. Same with any other fundraiser for a kid, I would say. Okay. So here's the question I ask and need explain. <laughs> I genuinely need explaining this because... I think I know where you're going. At 414-799-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and if nobody answers the call or if nobody calls in or texts then it's on you to explain it to me father of girl scouts selling cookies parents and moms and dads and parents and grandmas grandpas and aunts and uncles what good are you doing your girl scout by taking those forms to the office to the workplace, to the gym. Oh, well, probably God. not the gym. You're not, probably not selling a lot of Thin Mints at the gym. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> Going around and taking these these sign-up lists. And, and I know everybody does it. I understand that. We're but it's, it's about time. No. But you're taking away, aren't you? You're, you're taking away the opportunity for your daughter to learn about the process by which the Girl Scout cookie selling is supposed to teach i am doing you a favor by who's you you specifically my colleagues who want cookies i'm making it so easy for you by bringing the form in and saying here buy some cookies but it's not about me it's about little uh cindy lou bilstad so (laughs) so when you buy cookies you're not looking to eat them you're just trying to help cindy lou out this is not this is not about me this is about the intent of the cookie selling process yes to make money to raise for the activities but mom and dad, I implore you, are you not doing a disservice to your daughter by not having them sell their own so cookies want, or, or at least be involved in every process? I understand you, your point, but so what are you saying? You, you want a bunch of girls walking around here because that's what would happen. Bring them you, to work. We'd have, there'd be girls no, in here every day. No, there wouldn't. You there'd do be one, a different daughter walking around here and you'd be like, oh, well, I just bought some from Cindy Lou, but I guess I'll buy Then what does Cindy Lou learn? You got to be fast, Cindy Lou. <laughs> gotta, this, the, these products are flying. Where were you on Friday, Cindy yeah, I Lou? I know you would go nuts if there were kids in here every day pitching uh, and trying to sell you cookies. You'd go crazy. You'd be like, "All right, enough. I don't. I don't want your cookies." I contest that if they went about it in a polite, respectful manner, I bet I would be more welcoming to the sales pitch. Side note here, I do not like the aggressive Girl Scout. I find the aggressive Girl Scout cookie selling. Now, those are like at the grocery store, right? I, not the ones that... I find it abrasive, <laughs> if not altogether offensive. Now, that is, that is guerrilla marketing. That is guerrilla tactics. And it probably works. You, you ru- I go to my local pick and save. The doors open, and suddenly... I've got kids charging at me, Mister Mystery. Would you like to buy cookies? I, I don't even. I, I don't even. I, I don't know. Give me. Give me some space. That's a side argument. I, I genuinely want to hear, and you're you're giving me the pitch as well. well I'm just asking. I'm asking but some specific questions here. I just. I want to understand. 
because this this entire process, I just feel like it's jumped the shark. And now nobody yeah. thinks twice about mom and dad bringing the chart, posting it but, in the newsroom, yeah. and, and, and asking and demanding yeah. and withholding pay from anybody who does not fill it out you, from top to bottom. You're suggesting that these kids, or my kid, isn't already selling, too. She does. She went door-to-door. We would even do house calls where someone would text us and say, yeah, we'd, okay. we're going to buy some. So then we would drive her over to that house, and she'd do the ring-the-doorbell Good. thing. I mean, she. What? What? I'm just helping you out. No, you're not <laughs> knocking off. Stop making yourself feel better because you're. You know what I'm saying. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What the heck has happened with the Girl Scout cookie selling process? And are these cute little kids not being robbed of the knowledge and the skills that are meant to be built through the Scout program, and specifically here in selling of cookies? There's knowledge and skills to be learned and earned. And parents, I say, you are robbing little Cindy Lou. A text here from the 262. I have a personal rule that I will not purchase anything or anything of kids groups, whether it is Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, 4-H, whatever, unless the child approaches and sells it themselves. Let me just clarify that. I'm not singling out Girl Scouts and the Girl Scout (laughs) cookies as my one... No, and everything else I don't is know. great. No, 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 no. Save story you were sharing. Well, that or... hits close to home because I'm going to go to the grocery <laughs> store later on, and I'm going to be accosted by half a dozen Girl Scouts shoving forms in my you, face. You told me you want those girls to be the ones, you know, take the initiative and sell those. Right. Cookies. Yes, in, yes. Okay. Now, if aha, uh-huh. I admire, but this is not the debate we're having. But yes, to those specific Girl Scouts at the Pick and Save on 68th and Greenfield, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Talking to you, good Sally. job. Yes, you are doing it yourselves. You're not just having the moms camp out there. You're doing it. The, you're doing it yourselves. Just kind of back off a little bit when I walk in. Let me walk in five feet before I do it. Okay, put that aside. But my point is this: it's not just the Girl Scouts. I, I, I'm, I'm. This is a blanket policy I, I have it. for I Boy Scouts and wreaths and popcorn. And 4-H and Little League selling candy yeah, oh yeah. bars. Oh, That's another yeah. big one. We'll get that one in a couple months when spring hits and baseball starts. All of it. You're robbing the child, I say. <laughs> You're robbing the child of the purpose of the practice to learn business. Taking the sheet to work and having all your colleagues and coworkers sign up and then bringing the sheet home. And almost you are you are the child and the parent. Uh, you are the child and the child is the parent. Here you go, Cindy Lou. Look at this. Look look at daddy. He signed up 100 people. <laughs> yeah. Did I do good? Did I do good? Come on. 414-799-1620. What is going on? Or maybe it's just the Bill said household. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just uh, what, am I starting somewhere specifically? You said uh, line five. Nikki and Grafton. Hey, Nikki, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Uh, I'm just calling in. Uh, my daughter is a 10th grader. She sells over a thousand boxes regularly, but wow. we, do do, we do go door to door, usually at least six nights during the cookie sale. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it was a little hard because of the temperatures, the way that they were. And it also fell during exam week for her. How bad does but, she want it though, Nikki? Come on. Well, we're going to use out, weather so... and, and school as an excuse. How bad do you want to make these sales? How bad does we, she want this? We did go out on our snow day. Wow. But we did not go out on the cold days when it was minus 50. Okay. I, <laughs> um, I do take the seat in and ask my coworkers, but that's a very, very small percentage of her sales. Hmm. 
she's out there going door to door. She's out there knocking on business doors. She's, we create a video that we post on my Facebook. Um, and we will send it. She'll go through and sit with me and enter in emails or send it out to the specific people on my Facebook. So they get the video. Mm -hmm. So she does a lot of the work herself. All right, but let me ask you that. Oh, you're right, and that's kudos to her. If she's selling over a thousand boxes a year and Get a doing free it iPad or something, door to door. Yes. Why do you? <laughs> why do you take the form in to your coworkers? What? That what's is, your reasoning and rationale for that? Because the more money that she earns through cookie sales, the less I pay out of pocket. <laughs> so there. Okay. Um, all right. And but but also Nikki. People like to buy cookies. I'm assuming well, you're not sure. like you're not like badgering people at work to buy them. Usually, you just gotta put the form out, and people are like, "Ooh, I, I need a couple of boxes of Thin Mints." No, I'll just go in the break room. Hey, anybody need cookies? No, okay. Mm -hmm. You Do know, you, or yes, here's my phone. Put it in. We're good. You know what happened once here, Nikki? And this was a couple mm -hmm. years ago. Um, walking through the building, I was walking through the television side of the building. So this was a TV, this was a TV employee. And <laughs> this, the, the, this woman had, had an office. And I kid you not, she had her daughter standing right outside her office. So that's what you want. You, you, you just said. I was well, annoyed, no. but I was annoyed by it. But anyway, she, oh. had the, she, she had the daughter standing outside the office pitching everybody who walked by cookies. I was personally annoyed, <laughs> but I could respect the business acumen yeah, yeah, yeah. for this girl to stand outside her mother's office for who knows how long, maybe the full eight-hour day, I don't know, water breaks included, and, and, and make the pitch. I if it was allowed at my workplace. Right, right. Okay. That's where the big difference, I think, with a lot of workplaces comes in. Probably. Thanks for the call, Nikki, and uh, good job. Over a 1,000 boxes a year and doing that's, it most of it uh, herself. That's pretty good. She said 10th grade? Yeah. How, how, how old does Girl Scouts go? Um, they, that's sophomore in high school. Yeah, that's I think, I close think to the end middle there. school, grade school. I've been to the uh, where they walk and do the sash and the vest and Ooh. stuff, so I know that there are some high school kids part of that, but I don't know. Yeah. Is there a lot of pump and pageantry of that? <laughs> Depends on the ceremony. 153 Make the case for selling the cookies for your kids. The technology angle of this is another interesting Facebook. one. Well, uh, let's uh, mention that next. 414-799-1620. Debating the merits of Girl Scout cookie selling or, or any of those endeavors. Boy Scouts, 4-H, other similar youth group selling efforts to raise money for their activities i get the purpose but i think the also the purpose is to teach a little bit about business and to have that real world as rudimentary as it is that real world business training for somebody that is a very at a very young age and i think mom and dad you're taking it away from them when you go and and uh, you take the sign-up sheet and do all the work for them, especially at the workplace. They may not be doing all the work for them. Like, my daughter still went out, and she still did all the house calls and all that. I just happened to bring the form here. Brian in Brookfield, you've summed it up nicely on the text line. I think it's a competitive thing nowadays between what? Parents for parental bragging rights. My daughter sold 200 boxes. Come How many on. did your daughter sell? Either that or it's about giving scholarship for sales. Come on. There's the, the, what? The, the, the money thing, I'll, I'll take that. I, like uh, Nikki said, I'll, I'll, I buy the money angle of it, but for, for bragging rights? <laughs> really? Oh, you don't think mom and dad aren't trying to, I to must, out... I 
outsell the neighbors? I must, not, neighbors, I must not run in those circles because I've never ever talked with any of my buddies or my buddies' wives about how many boxes of cookies their kid is selling. Oh, I think you're under. I, no, I, I believe you personally have not done that, but I think it's it's silly to say that that competitive nature okay. doesn't run through the parental realm as well. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue this after the news here, we'll, because I want to bring up the technology element of this, and we're not going to have time to do it now. Let's quickly squeeze in one, uh, bup, 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 uh, Michelle in Grafton. Hey, Michelle, what say you? Hey, first of all, really quick, I love, love, love you and Eric. You're, you're spontaneous and fun. Thanks, Mom. And you're going to have to send Jeff on another vacation. This is, a, whoa, a, hey, now. <laughs> It's been a breath of fresh air. This is Aunt Michelle. Thanks for weighing in. (laughs) This is Aunt Michelle, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to sell any more of your cookies. All right, fine. I'll do it myself. (laughs) Real quickly, Michelle, we've got about 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Okay, when I was really young, my aunt did take me around because they were like 25 cents a box, and I was telling your um, screener I was scarred for life because we went to some old people's apartment building, and they were like yelling at me. (laughs) They were too expensive, and they were all like... Poorly dressed, and I told him it, it was not a fun experience. But I did win, and it was only with like a hundred boxes in those days. What did you learn so, from that experience and that running with with that couple or whatever? I so- did. I learned I was not going to be a person to be in sales. Oh, okay. All right. You made a sweeping life decision based on that one attempt at Absolutely. selling a box of cookies. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the kind comments, Michelle. We'll keep it rolling here. 414-799-1620. One more hour to go. Scott and Eric. And uh, don't forget, 235, we will have Pop Culture Corner. We will honor that Wagner tradition. The sporting event that is on your bucket list. The sporting event. Maybe it's a Super Bowl that you say, gosh, I need to attend that before I kick the bucket. Maybe it's a Super Bowl. As we were saying before, I think probably it'd be more fun's the word to attend a Super Bowl that the Packers were not playing in because then you're not so much invested on if they win, it's great. If they lose, everything is just horrible. You can take it all in and enjoy it a little bit more, perhaps. And um, so, anyway. I've got a few other ones on my list. Hopefully you have the same, and we'll get you involved at 2.35. But continuing this conversation about the Girl Scout cookies selling, and uh, I want to talk, let's talk technology here in just a second. But first, we're debating whether or not parents taking those lists, cookies, that's just the, the thing that's at the forefront of my mind right now. But whatever it is, Boy Scouts, 4-H, and whatever they're selling, parents, aren't you robbing the child of the learning process, the business acumen, albeit at a very entry level that they're learning in this process. <laughs> I just I think it's gone out of control and what was the original purpose of having girls sell cookies? Yes, to raise money. But there's more going on there, isn't there? Todd in West Alice, good afternoon, Todd, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um thanks for taking my call. I took a different approach to it. What I did with my with my children, you know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Um, I sold a ton of Girl Scout cookies. What I had is I had her fill out an actual letter and an actual sales pitch and what she planned on doing with the winnings and everything that I would do because I worked at a large corporation where I could not have a child there, and I sold tons. I mean, just with her pitch, never did anything, had it on my desk, and let them let the letter and her sales pitch sell it, and then I made her write a thank you note afterwards. 
giving them a little bit, keeping them involved in the actual sale because I agree with you. I would did not want to sell them for her. And the workplace would not necessarily let her come in there and stand at your desk all day. Real briefly, just give us the synopsis. What was in that letter that struck a chord with so many people? Well, it wasn't necessarily what was in the letter. I think it was, to be perfectly honest with you, when I started at this large company, it is a production-type company, so I could not have her in there. It was just more, uh, you know, my name is Nicole. This is what I'm trying to sell. I'm selling these cookies. I'm trying her goal, what her goal was that she was trying to get out of it. Um, typically, it was something that was on the map. So mm-hmm. how many cookies you sold, you know, the different prizes you could get. And um, fortunately, in the company that I was in, it was um, – a lot of sales. <laughs> Let's okay. just put it that way. Very good. All right, Todd. Appreciate the call, and that is interesting perspective. And I, I will recognize that there are some businesses that will just simply say no. Of course, you cannot have your child here going door to door, even if for just an afternoon, even for just a lunch period, asking, soliciting cookies. I, I've, I've got the the. I'll share my solicitation story. <laughs> that I've uh, experienced in the last week in just a second. But first, let's head to Oak Creek and talk to Leanne. Good afternoon, Leanne. You're on WTMJ. Yes, hello. Uh, real quick, you can be a senior um, Girl Scout until you're in uh, senior high school, and then okay. with the Boy Scouts. Got it. After that, go into leadership. Um, and <laughs> After I that, look- get out. <laughs> no, <laughs> you got to give back. You're right, you're right. Um, Okay, I do enjoy the banter between you two guys. It, it is very enjoyable. Okay, It's so, all fake and phony, though. I'm just going to tell know. you. Later. It well, is I completely know. scripted, and it is the least spontaneous <laughs> thing if you actually saw the preparation that goes into it. We're both reading off teleprompters. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe that. But anyway, I love it. And um, I was agreeing with you, Scott, um, in the beginning when I was first, you know, several years ago when they started bringing the sheets to work, I did some investigation to make sure the parents were also having the kids go out and do the work because as an old Girl Scout, that's all we did. But here's the other thing. As um, a work colleague, I appreciated the sheet being there because I'm not at home to answer the door when the girls are mm-hmm. around. So I, there was kind of a twofold thing and but and and the fact that they were you know getting mom and dad to help again like um i think it was nikki that said you know so i don't have to do the out of pocket right that's a huge deal i think it is i think so too all right thanks leanne and again leanne mentioning as others have the perspective of the buyer i guess i'm coming at this through the eyes of the girl scout the seller or the Boy Scout, whatever it is, the selling side of things and what is to be gained from that. And does that process outweigh the buyer's perspective? Obviously, if I'm looking for my my fix of Thin Mints this year, I want whatever is convenient. I'm not thinking about, right. okay, is Cindy Lou learning something? I just want cookies. Give me cookies. Well, also, think of it this way with the parent. I mean, talking about the money thing, with Cub Scouts, if you don't sell a certain number, then you gotta you have to pay the fundraising fee. So you're going to see parents, they're going to hoof it if they got to make sure you get over a certain amount. So what are you saying? The parents get competitive? 
Well, but because you poo pooed the competitive parents fifteen I, minutes ago, I poo pooed the competitive of like I'm trying to race against the neighbor because I want to prove to him that I can sell more. No, it's I need to make to the the mark oh. so I don't have to pay a fundraising fee. That well, has nothing to do with competitive nature. Oh, of like, I think that breeds competitiveness. They're, they're if, totally different. If, if, if mom and dad have to then write the check to make up the difference, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Some people you can buy out of a fundraiser, whether it's baseball, Cub Scouts, whatever. You can say, you know what, I'm not our kids. Aren't going to be here's a, a check for everything. Yeah, and, and they give you a number that you have to pay. All right, I don't want to pay that much money, so I want to make sure we get our kids sells. That's different than saying, "Hey, look how many Cindy Lou sold. She sold 500 boxes." You're saying I, that's what he would say, and the guy. I, yeah, the I, okay, was, okay. I, I, yes, the, the competitiveness against the Smiths and the Bill Stads. Yeah, no, I'm not, I think that go not in your household. You guys are a shining beacon of parental examples in society. You are perfect kids. No, but mom and dad get competitive. Come on, let's get real here. And now, if you're all right, if you're saying that mom and dad would have to write the check for the difference between what they raise compared to the goal that they have to get to in some of these situations, that's a big deal. That that then, actually is a reason right. why. I mean, there are parents, and I'm one of them. In some of our kids' organizations, I'd rather just throw a couple extra fifty bucks into the actual organization due the fee than to have to go through the process of making sure they sell so much of this or so much of that or whatever it is. Fundraising is a really big hassle for parents. It is. Some enjoy it, I'm sure, but it's a hassle. <laughs> All right, let's get one more. Tim in Milwaukee. Have at it, Tim. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks. Uh, years ago, I worked in an office, fairly large office, uh, building a lot of employees. And one mother would, you know, every year bring in, you know, a Girl Scout uh, cookie uh, sheet. And I'd buy a few boxes. I don't like Girl Scout cookies, so I'd just throw them in the, uh, the break room let everybody have at them. Well, then other mothers started to bring their sheets in. And now, you know, I'm, well, I always bought from this person, but now if I don't buy from this person and this person, then, you know, maybe I'm going to have a problem with them or, you know, they're, they're, uh, there's going to be a little competition. And why am I buying from this person and not that person? So I'd buy a couple boxes from everybody. And then the original person was kind of upset that I, you know, started buying less from her and then some from the other. I didn't want to spend my whole paycheck on Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> So then they started kind of back, you know, a little snipping, kind of lightheartedly, but there was a little edge to that. And the first lady, you know, it was like her commercial, you know, uh, marketing zone or something. She didn't want anybody else, you know, coming into her territory to sell the cookies. And it just got to be a problem. And I just stopped buying cookies after a while just because of the uh, competition between the, 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 the mothers and the fathers selling things there and, uh, um, you know, I didn't want to appear like I was taking sides, like, oh, I like this person, so I'll buy their cookies, but I don't like you, so I'm not going to buy your cookies. That's kind of how it was interpreted. The so, politics, the, look, there are politics involved <laughs> in the. But do you know the person or the people that you did not mention in your anecdote, in your story there, Tim? You talked about your coworkers. You talked about moms going at it. You talked about dads going at it. You didn't even mention the kids. There was no mention of the in the entire story. In everything you dealt with, the child themselves was never even a player in the story. Yes. That's it, the it, problem. It, it gets taken over by the parents, and it becomes a big competition thing, and I wonder how that influences these kids you know, later on in life. You know, are we teaching them how to be cutthroat, or, I mean, to let somebody, I, I don't know. Huh? I, it was just such a disaster that I, I just stopped 
<laughs> buying cookies from everybody. Thanks for the call, Tim. Oh, yes, there are politics at play. There's also technology at play, and I don't know if that's so good either. Last note on this. I don't know. I, some people are saying we've talked too much about this. This is kind of interesting. This is what a lot of people deal with. This is what's happening out there. And um, For the first time ever, this was a couple of days ago, I received the solicitation to buy Girl Scout cookies through a text message. Through a group text message. <laughs> I was one of, I think, maybe close to a dozen, maybe 20. Okay. Different people on this group text message saying, my daughter, Cindy Lou, is selling Girl Scout cookies. If you'd like to buy some, let me know what your order is and how many and all that stuff. Obviously, I know the person who is soliciting the cookies. That's how they have my number. Well, there's a lot that goes on there. First of all, that that I think you, you are completely taking every last ounce of... Any reward or, or, or anything to be taken by the girl, the Girl Scout, you're taking all of it out. If, you, if, if, if mom or dad is just sending out a group text message to everybody, I assume, in their phone please, who they think might want to buy. Please, please, please tell me people responded with their order and you got those texts. I have, please. and I can show it to you. I've got, I've got, I've got... And even now, and it's been almost a week, every once in a while, my <laughs> phone will buy, oh, I get a text message. Oh, look, it's somebody from the 628 who likes Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity, or whatever the heck a cookie name is. Oh, here, Those somebody from favorite. the 312 area code who I don't even know, <laughs> never met, will never meet, and they want half a dozen boxes of Thin Mints. Separate, separate little complaint there. If you are finding yourself on a group text... Don't hit the reply all. Isn't that amazing? Just write back to the person who sent the text in the first place. Not everybody needs to know you like chunky monkey cookies or whatever the heck they are. I am forever amazed by that. I am forever amazed at the reply all text. When it's so, um, I, I'll get them. I'll get them occasionally. You know, a couple times a month, I'll get a text with a, to a group, and I'll always just text the person back. I'll always just say, "Hey, you know what? Thanks for thinking of me. You can't do it or whatever." Don't need to reply all on that. Just don't need to do it. Because then another reply goes back, and everyone gets it. Then another one saying, hey, guys, please take me off this. And then another saying, oh, sorry, didn't know everyone was on it. And it just goes and goes and goes. Oh. Those aren't names of cookies, by the way. No, no, I, I knew you were off on those. Uh, but I, I couldn't think of anything other than Thin Mints. Samoas? Trifle, trifles? Oh, there's a whole... Dosey dos Tagalongs? Tagalongs are big. None of the names tell you what the cookies are made of, though. Yeah, Samoas. Look, I want Samoa's that. <laughs> Peanut butter sandwich? No. <laughs> Savannah, yeah, shortbread is the other. Savannah Smiles? I don't know what that is. Anyway. Four yeah. bucks. That's what Te- they are. I guarantee you, Mom and Dad, if you're texting your friends and your phone soliciting for cookies, there is no value for your daughter or son, depending on what is being sold. No value to your kid by you doing that. It's 223. Haven't done it at all this week. I've had a couple on my mind. Let's see if after the break we can fire off a couple examples of... Great Scott! 226. I got a couple from which to choose, so let's knock them out real quickly here. It is a Friday edition of... Great Scott! I take you to South Carolina where a man... faked his own kidnapping. 
A South Carolina man was arrested this week after he allegedly faked his own kidnapping to try to swindle his mother, his own mother, out of the lump sum payout he was hoping for. The 19-year-old, Emmanuel Franklin, he plotted his alleged plan about a week ago. He told his mother, pay attention guys, if he told his mother that if she did not put the money in a mailbox of his choosing, he would be murdered by kidnappers. The mother says and told uh, law enforcement she received a call from her son and a man she did not know and relayed the incident to them. The man later reportedly fessed up to investigators and allegedly admitted trying to get the money from his mother. So did you follow that? How much money do you think he was looking to get from her? 50 bucks. $130. (laughs) He faked his own kidnapping because he wanted his mom to give her $130. I take you to Kansas where a family's Monopoly game triggered a fight and stitches, according to the police that were called. Family game night in Kansas seemingly went wrong when a violent argument broke out during a game of Monopoly. They responded to a home in Kansas City last Friday where a victim got into an argument with his cousin during a game of Monopoly. This is very much possible. Have you ever played a rather vigorous game of Monopoly? Where it gets intense. The cousin's girlfriend then hit the victim, shoved him into a mirror. The suspect fled the home before officers arrived on scene and the victim required stitches. It wasn't the first fight to stem from a game of Monopoly. According to Hasbro, the company that manufactures the popular board game, in December of 2016, the company set up a hotline designated to help de-escalate Monopoly-related <laughs> family feuds. Come on. We have to call this hotline. Well, next paragraph. The seemingly now defunct hotline, sorry, <laughs> was to have, here was the plan, experts on hand with the official rule books to instantly settle any disputes and advise on how to resolve common complaints. Could you imagine that? Working. Where do you work? Uh, I, I work the, um, what's the official name of it? The Monopoly Dispute Hotline. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he wants to build a hotel on Park Place, and uh, I don't think that he's got the money to do so, and I think he snatched a, a $100 bill when I got up to go to the bathroom. Uh, well, um, sir, <laughs> I need you to calm down. Sir, I need you to calm down. First what does the rule say about landing on go? Do you get $400 if you land on go, or is it just if you pass go? You do go? not pass go. You, <laughs> you do, do not collect. On... It's different than free parking. I keep telling Jerry that if you land on free parking, it's different. <laughs> what would be more stressful, doing that or being a 911 dispatcher, having to deal with those emergency calls? Or maybe this job sets you up to work right, in the yeah, 911 yeah. dispatch. Yeah. That's rough. Monopoly, destroying families since 1935. That's right. That's right. And last but not least, I promised yesterday some of the random prop bets heading into Super Bowl 53. Here's some, you guys, write these down for your Super Bowl party. How long will it take for Gladys Knight, by the way, is the one singing the, the anthem? How long will it take her to sing the U.S. National Anthem? 
The over-under is at a minute and 50 seconds. That's long. By the way, rehearsal is today or was today, so you might be able to work a source in the stadium down there. You got a guy. I got I, I, I got an anthem guy. <laughs> Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem? <laughs> Will a non-quarterback throw a touchdown? We saw that last year. What will be the jersey number of the player who scores the first touchdown? Over 26.5, under 26.5. Will there be a missed PAT in the game? Will any player be ejected for throwing a punch or a fight? Hmm. It would well, take a lot for them to eject a player from the Super Bowl. Here we go. Here we go. I like this one. Tony Romo says, here we go. How many times? It's set at two and a half. Do we get more than two and a half Romo saying, here we go? Depends on how close the game is. How many plays will Tony Romo correctly predict? Seven and a half is the over-under on that. Hmm, okay. What will Tony Romo be A lot of Romo ones. What will Tony Romo be doing at the start of the 2019 season? TV analyst playing in the NFL, coaching as an offensive coordinator, coaching as a defensive coordinator. Of course, my fa- one of my favorites, what color Gatorade will be poured on the winning coach. You've got clear, you've got lime green, yellow, orange, mm-hmm. blue, red, purple. And will a fan run onto the field during the game? All part of some of the craziest props this year for Super Bowl 53. And uh, working through my backlog, that is today's Friday edition of... Great Scott! 2.32, news with Eric is next, and then... Let's light them up. Line them up. 414-799-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Super Bowl is Sunday. What is the sporting event that tops your bucket list? Maybe it's a Super Bowl. If so, explain why. But there's got to be something that you have never attended in person that you want to do one day. It'll be this edition of, or this week's edition of uh, Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. We'll do it. It's a Wagnerless edition, albeit. In just a couple of moments. In the home stretch on a Friday afternoon. And pop culture corner time. Super Bowl is Sunday. Are you pulling for anybody in particular? You know what? I am. I don't really care, I guess. But, but I am one of those unpopular figures. I don't mind seeing greatness. Oh, I misunderstood I, what you meant. I, I don't mind seeing greatness do well. I will never see this again. We'll never see a dynasty like this again. So if Tom Brady wins again, I don't. I don't mind that. I okay. don't. I don't hate him like other people do. The question we're asking is, what is the sporting event you have not attended but would want to do so before you kick the bucket? The That's bucket the, list, the pop culture thing. Okay. Um, but just to that point, if the Patriots lose, they're five and four in the Belichick Brady era. Doesn't matter. They they've will have, they've no, gone nine no, times. But, right, but my, yes. They will have lost four Super Bowls. They won five, then they're just five and four. But now, even, yes, you even get that, there. Okay. Even, even <laughs> that is pretty remarkable. Hey, I lost four Super Bowls. <laughs> That's still hard to do. To the phones we go. The sporting event, maybe it's a Super Bowl, you want to attend in person one day. Tony in Waukesha will lead off with you. Hey, Tony. Hi, Scott. I got the best one. Okay. I want to go to the NBA Finals, <laughs> Game 7, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Golden State Warriors. Oh, you even have the matchup. Are you promising that's going to happen? That, I believe, is going to be the Finals. I believe it's going to go to Game 7, and both me and my son will be rooting for opposite teams. 
I am a Milwaukee Bucks fan through and through. What and the heck happened to reason, the Sun? <laughs> I don't know. I blame you, Tony. No, no, no. You cannot blame me. <laughs> I am a straight Wisconsin fan all the way through. Okay. He got lost somewhere in the shuffle. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a game, you know, I think, and a game seven, I think any game seven, and I, I'm, I'm not even a big hockey fan, but if there's a game seven on television, for example, mm-hmm. I will stop and watch, especially if you catch a third, you randomly come across a third period of a game seven in the NHL playoffs, but game seven, NBA finals, Bucks and Golden State Warriors, and Tony and his son would both be there. Thanks for the call, Tony. That's what we're doing. There's no right or wrong answer, certainly, on this. It's just... um your opinion. Let's go to Pam in Milwaukee. This is a popular one, a popular opinion. Hi, Pam. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? What's on your what's at the top of your sports events list? I would love to, to go to the US Olympic ice skating. Why? Oh my god, they're beautiful. It's just it's like oh, it's like watching a ballet. I just I live vicariously through those skaters because it just seems they're in another world. They're enjoying their athleticism and their passion, and I just love it. I would love to go to an Olympics. Some type of Olympic event would be awesome. Doesn't have to be ice skating, though. It would just be cool to see. It would just be cool to see. That and those those crazy jumpers, those uh, skiers. Off the slalom? You mean, is that the slalom, right? The, the, the... Yeah. Right. Right. They're amazing. Yeah. Olympics are pop- Olympics are a popular one. Thanks for the call, Pam. Have a good weekend. Um Nancy and Sheboygan, speaking of the Winter Olympics, I would like to see the Winter Games. Hopefully my granddaughter, Maddie Davies, will be playing hockey for the women's USA team that, that year. That would be cool. That would be cool. If you're relative of any kind, let alone a, a son or a daughter, is actually competing in the Olympics, yeah, I think you'd want to go to that. All right, Waukesha, Eileen, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Eileen. Hi there. What's your event that you want to attend one day? I want to go to breakfast at Wimbledon. Oh, that's a good one. Just... Is that where they do the strawberries? Yep. Strawberries and cream, right? I think so, yeah. Are you a a big tennis fan, or is it more the event and, and just the, the pomp and the pageantry of it all that would draw you there? Well, when I was... Um... Twelve. I broke my shoulder in the middle of summer and ended up watching tennis because there was really nothing else on at the time. So I became a really big fan then. So now I do catch it every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Fine. And what's great about Wimbledon, as I understand it, I'm not a huge tennis person myself, but as I understand it, you have so many... So many matches going. Now, you mentioned the finals, obviously, at center court, and that would be great. But it seems because the the way the property's laid out, there are so many other side courts happening that I bet that that whole week or those couple weeks leading up to the finals, I mean, it's it's a tennis fan's dream to have all those matches going on all over the grounds. Yeah. Ah, good one. Thanks for the call, Eileen. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Super Bowl Sunday is upon us. What is your sporting event that you've never attended that you need to do one day? 414-799-1620. A few minutes left here. Pop Culture Corner Friday. Scott and Eric in for Jeff Wagner. He may be... He, he, he may be not here. He may not be here. But uh, Pop Culture Corner is 
the sporting event you've never attended that you would like to do one day. Okay, this one has to be explained to me. Hey, Matt in Waukesha. Matt, uh, I was not anticipating this one, so explain this. Well, <laughs> all right, so uh, the event is the Isle of Man, uh, and it's an event. Uh, it's a motorcycle road racing event. It takes place over two weeks uh, at the end of May uh, on an island in the uh, Irish Sea off the coast of Britain. It is, uh, if you're a motorcycle road racer, uh, fan of motorcycles, fan of speed, um, it's definitely going to be on your list. Uh, you can get up close and personal uh, on the course, literally getting buzzed by motorcycles at 200 miles an hour. It's a uh, there's lots of different events. The premier event is the senior. It's six laps over a 37 and three quarter mile course, open roads the rest of the year. But for this two week period of time, it's uh, shut down for the racers, and it is. Unbelievable. If you've never seen it or heard about it, uh, get on Google. The world's most dangerous race. It's been around for over 100 years. Yeah, it's been around um, since 1907. I'm just, I, I looked it up as you were talking. It's been around since 1907. Yeah. The, it's, it's called the most dangerous racing event in the world. And, yeah, there, unfortunately, hmm. it's, it's, uh, it, it, uh, you know, lots of people have lost their lives, racers. Oh. Um, but some great, uh, the Dunlap, the great family that have uh, raced in one there. Mm-hmm. Uh, John McGinnis has won there multiple times. Okay. It's, it's it's the place to go if you're a speed freak, for and, sure. Yeah, and Matt, you've got support. Uh, another texter on the 262 says, Isle of Man is awesome. All right, thanks for the call. That's the first time You're I've welcome. ever even heard of that particular event. Uh, let's go to Josh. Josh, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Now, I've not heard of this one either, so have at it. Well, I like to go to the fishbowl at the Olympics. Um, I swam my whole entire life, and it would be just one of those things to put myself in one of those person's okay. shoes. Kind of thing. I didn't know what you meant when you said fishbowl at first. That's, that's, that's what confused me. Okay. <laughs> the swimming events yeah. for the Olympics. All the swimming events, the, the backstroke, freestyle, butterfly, mm-hmm. breaststroke. See, that know, seems like that seems like Josh would be... Very intense for the Olympics, and where we always assume that everything is intense, I think there are probably some events at the Olympics which, where you think they're just crazy and they're really not, where you can like see some like empty seats in the background. Not for swimming, though. No, not at all. There's a lot of people in it that don't think that they could do it, but it's mm-hmm. one of the easiest, one of the best kind of exercises all around. It gets all your muscles, good cardio and everything. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Josh. There's one I was not anticipating, but uh, certainly can understand that. Uh, real quickly on the text line, I'd uh, love to live the Kentucky Derby experience. Bring on the mint juleps. A lot of Kentucky Derby people out there. Uh, let's see. WrestleMania. You know what? I wrote that one down. <laughs> I, w- I would like to go on. I, w- I would do a WrestleMania just once. I- that's one of my guilty pleasures is also a, a- the sports entertainment industry of WWE or WCW before it, I would do a WrestleMania. I just uh, there'd be something like that. Maybe maybe got Hulk Hogan come out at what is he seventy seven? You know, come out in the Walker. So you uh, want to see some of the, uh, the famous? Ones. What was my, uh, yeah? So real quickly here, uh, WrestleMania is a good one. I, I would love to see a World Cup championship. I, Every four Again, years, I guess if if it is a championship, if it's the finals, yeah, it's the finals. I mean, that would just the intensity, the craziness. Uh, real quick, we're running low, but for, for me, Jordan, I want to yeah. see a Brady and Rogers Super Bowl. Okay, so yeah, you you, so, you would so want to go to a Super Bowl where the Packers were playing? Oh, definitely. Okay, all right. What about you, Eric? I think it's World Cup. 
I would love to see a World Cup championship. One that I've heard from, I I know a couple of people who have gone, but say it's incredible, is the Masters in Augusta. Yeah. Go to the, even if you're not a golf person, just to walk around and television does not, as I'm told, I don't know this firsthand because it's on my list, television does not do justice to that golf course, and television does a great job portraying it, does not do it justice. I've heard it's gorgeous and the concessions are cheap. I've heard that too. A lot of good ones coming in. Um, I'm just going to read it here. Fred and Fort Atkinson, World Series, Brewers, Twins. That's one. It's very specific. About uh, Nancy and Cedarberg, a women's NCAA softball championship game. I will say, as somebody who works in the collegiate sports realm on a side job, being present for a, a national championship at the collegiate level, regardless of the sport, basketball, football, uh, softball, baseball, I, that anytime a championship is decided based on the result of the event that you are watching, it's a whole other level, a whole other level of excitement and thrill. Good ones, everybody. A Game 7 Stanley Cup playoff. And throw a Game 7 in front of it. I don't, I don't have to be the biggest hockey fan. Don't have to be the biggest baseball or basketball fan. If it's a Game 7, put me there. 2.55, couple of minutes left. Scott Warris, Eric Bilstad, thanks to Jordan for producing the show. Jeff Wagner is back from his warm weather vacation spot on Monday. Uh, a couple of texts came in for the Daytona 500. Okay, that'd be a fun one. I suppose you could put the Indy 500 up there as well. We were talking about the sporting event that you would want to attend in mm-hmm. person. Um, I'm always fascinated by those, though. Whenever you go to a, a race like that, what are you watching? Because it's boom, 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 yeah, right, right. I mean, that's so. There must be certain spots that are better than others for right. that event. What would be say. at the top of your list, John? 